Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. We have to oh, wait, he's not the here. intro. No Jamil Zanishev. <laughs> yeah, where's Jamil? What did you do, John? I got him sick at our party. <laughs> I, think I think we killed liver. We yeah. killed Jamil last weekend. Yeah, the poor guy's got a flu symptom and he's just bedridden. It's no good. It's no never good. any good. Yeah, I guess he's been passing the flu bug with his family around and around and he can't make it like to NHC. before, his clean room wasn't as clean as he thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's well, Jamil see. did ask me personally. He said, listen, uh, we've scheduled to do the shows. I want to make sure we get through the shows. Would you please ask Dr. Scott to fill in for me? So, John, you got Doc. He, he looks just as good. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> thanks yeah. And then, of course, the other idea we had, we thought we're going to the National Homebrewers Conference. We've got all these people around. Who could we get to, to we, fill in on the show with We could get anybody. Us? And the guy we really wanted wasn't oh, yeah. available, so we got Ray Daniels. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Our backup. Oh, yeah. That's not a bad backup. <laughs> Ray Daniels, oh, author yeah. of Designing Great Beers, which happens to be Dr. Scott's favorite book. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. So he's going to help out. Today, uh, in, in honor of Jamil, who wishes he could be here, John Plisse, Dr. Scott, and Ray Daniels are going to cover Vienna Lager for you. Vienna Lager. I mean, how much better could that get? Come on. Sure, we'll be drinking some at the end of the show. we got some uh, listener beer here, so that should be good. So, um, Now, well. of course, the Jamil Show brought to you as always, and it's exciting here right. because we're in the room with, with some of our fantastic sponsors. But the Jamil Show is brought to you by Northern Brewer, who is right down Thank here you, in Northern the hospitality Brewer. suite. And they've been taking care of this show for a long time and bringing it to you. And without those guys doing it, uh, we wouldn't have been able to keep it going. So it's kind of exciting to be able to do the show with them sitting right there. Oh, yeah. Except that you, you must be nervous. You can't screw up, John. I, I, well, I can't. Uh, I should take my shirt off. <laughs> no more of your logo. <laughs> no, they're, they're, makes, they're great. What guys. makes tonight any different? <laughs> yeah, no, nothing at all. So, right on. It's cool. an exciting conference this year. It is uh, sold out once again. Yeah, like a thousand people, I guess. I, mean, I believe it's record attendance. Yeah, Ray, you you might know a little more about it than us, but I believe it's record attendance here this year. We're of course live from Cincinnati, and that's exciting because we get to bring our radio to to the folks here, but we also get to bring our radio to the folks at home who sure. who didn't get to make it this year. Exactly. I mean, some of us can't even go to the banquet later, Doc, on Saturday. Why is that? Uh, we have to sit here in the corner. That's, that's where they like <laughs> to keep us. But we're going to carry the award ceremony in this room to the people. Because the, the, the banquet sold out before the rest of it sold out. Everyone wanted wow. to be there. Wow. So we're going to be here all week. And on Saturday, when the awards are happening, we'll stream the whole thing live to you at home. And then also here in, in, in the hospitality suite. Perfect. You, you keep saying we. You too, Doc. Yeah, you're you're going to have to work this we week. Stuff. You have to work. you got to do something, Doc. Okay. <laughs> you got to work, together. So I'm getting paid now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Now, more, Ray, more bucks. Ray, will you be signing Designing Great Beers this week? Uh, I've signed several copies already. You're doing it already. Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty much people find me. I got a pen. They got a pen. There's a book a involved. Book. We do that. Yeah. <laughs> it has to happen. Get right, it done. right along, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Doc will be signing cleavage all week. He doesn't yeah. have a book yet. But not I'm man, available not for man, that, too. Not man cleavage. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was going to say that. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's some guys out here that were getting ideas there yeah, for a second. Yeah, you can tell. They get like cool. Ready. They're signing cleavage. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Vienna Lager, Jim? Okay. Well, Vienna Lager, I actually got one going second round. Wish me luck. Hey, we gotta give it like this. We got a couple guys. That we're was yours? Oh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> was that good, huh? 
I didn't know you had one in the second round. Yeah. Great. It, I'll, awesome. I'll tell That's you my little secret know. later. But um, Vienna Lager, is, it's a lightly toasted beer. It, in the Roma, you should get like a rich malt aroma. Um, definitely some Munich and Vienna melanoid malts uh, coming through in the aromas. Um, it's definitely a clean lager character. You don't want any like acetyl aldehyde. You don't want any sulfur. Definitely a properly fermented beer. Uh, very little hop aroma. It's definitely a malt forward beer to drink. And you don't really want a caramel note coming through. It's definitely all rich malt complexity coming through. Visually, it's uh, light amber to copper. Very clear. It's a malty beer balanced with enough hops. Um, and you want to provide enough hops so it's not cloyingly sweet so that's the trick so you have a rich malty beer enough hop it's a lager it's amber it's not as strong as an Oktoberfest and it should finish really really dry too um, what else it's medium carbonation and it's quaffable easy drinking ranges from four and a half to five and a half percent alcohol and overall you should get like a soft gentle kind of creaminess coming through um, definitely an emphasis on the malt not bitter not a lot of aromas from the hall the malt or excuse me, the hops, and it's definitely a very enjoyable amber lager to drink. So if you can brew one, ferment it cool, 48 to 52, and uh, let it lager six to eight weeks, and you should be good. And if you, there's a great book uh, called Brewing Classic Styles, just <laughs> out. <laughs> you sound just like Jamil already. By Jamil Zanishef. And uh, we, have a definitely, copy right here. we got a copy right here, and I'm sure he'd be stoked to uh, share that recipe with you and buy his book if you haven't. And uh, you support the guy that's better in right now, so yeah. And he's got guy. 22 beers going too, so I know it. Yeah, look out! But you have to be here to collect the win, though. I kind of want to collect mm. the win for him. I don't know if he'll allow me to do it. Can <laughs> I give his acceptance speech too? Yeah, uh, you should. Yeah. That well, would be a mess. Somebody yeah. should. It should be you. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this style, and I'm glad that we're doing it here because it's one of these styles that commercially, so this is great for us homebrewers, commercially it's almost non-existent, right? Pretty much, yeah. Very few examples? Uh, especially uh, up until now. No, no more. You've seen a little bit more in the craft brewing industry, but God, for a while there it was, it was tough to find one. Is, uh, is Dos Equis Amber of yeah. a Vienna Lager? Because that's one of my favorites that to me tastes like one, but I'm not positive that's, that's they, the that's style. That's what they kind of model it off of. A lot of the German brewers. And they, a lot of German brewers went to Mexico. And right, yeah. The, the, the Im- immigration in the, in the eight, mid-1800s, same, same wave that brought the German brewers to the United States. Some of them went down to Central America. Huh. Okay. Like Negro Modelo and some of those uh, yeah, amber Mexican beers are in that model. Okay. Nice, yeah. clean amber lagers is what you're shooting for. Now, how about some of the craft brewers? Does Gordon Biersch make a... That's the one that that's, I think of. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, that, that's I, the only one I can think of that I've had that's been really, you know, really Pretty outstanding. Close. Okay. Uh, those guys do such a great job with loggers, and yeah, that's a tough, definitely that's always always tough thing to, to hit. Sure, or maybe the Capital guys might have one. I can't uh, can't think that I've had it. Capital Brewing, Wisconsin, but okay. well, that's the great thing about homebrewing is we have these options to brew these styles that you know, and then with this new book, you know, right, we can yeah. kind of expand no, a little absolutely. bit more horizons. And stuff, absolutely. So. Well, the tough thing is always when you can't find something to compare your homebrew or your target to. Yeah, you're just kind of going by uh, what you read in books or uh, what you hear. Yeah, and, uh, you kind of shoot in the dark a little bit. Uh, but again, if you come up with a nice, clean, dark amber, you know, lager, definitely. It's one of my favorite styles of lagers because it's because uh, I'm an ale drinker. I really enjoy ales, and I think that the malt profile to me tastes a, a lot like an ale. But it's so clean. It has that like you were saying that for the style, it definitely should have a really clean. dry finish. Dry finish, malty. Hop flavor, some, but not bitter. Yeah. It's very dry. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I really enjoy right. uh, about the style. Well, I could definitely... Would you say, Ray, I mean, it's like a cross between, like, a, an Anchor Steam and a Mirson, maybe, like, but a lighter version, like, some characteristics of that? I hadn't thought of it that way, but... but uh, it's a random thought it? right now, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, some level, I almost say, like, a Hellas and a Meritzen. I mean, that's that's sort of the middle ground. I mean, two two yeah. definite lagers, both very malt-balanced uh, beers, that soft German malt uh, <laughs> flavor. Those are the two that I think of uh, uh, as being closest to it. Okay. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things, though, is that um, uh, the, the Oktoberfest, the Meritzen Oktoberfest style, has evolved a lot in the last 10, 15 years in Germany. Now it's a much paler... Um, you know, closer to a pilsner sort of thing, a malty pilsner than it than it used to be with color. Yeah, yeah well, really. with not no, with no. not much color. Really? I mean, yeah. a lot of the German Meritzens these days are are very pale in color, and 
you know, I've, I've, a couple times I've ordered one in a restaurant and it comes and I'm like, no, no, no I wanted the Marison. It's like, ah, that's it. Yeah. In fact, if you get the uh, Polaner Oktoberfest, which is available all over the U.S. in the bottle, it's a, it's, it's not quite that light as this beer in front of you. It's right. not golden, but it is. It's a lot lighter. Again, we could talk about Gordon Biersch. Uh, their Marison is uh, to me, and, and because that's the Marison I grew up on here in the U.S. It's red. It's red. It's exactly. the more traditional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Style. So the very first. Um, Oktoberfest I had that came out of Germany. You're right. I was surprised, Ray. I almost sent it back. Yep. Uh, but it is a much gold, gold. But it still has a deep malt flavor. Yeah. Which I think is what's wonderful about German lagers is that they have a really deep and nice malt flavor. They kind of surprised me before I was a beer guy. Well, they're definitely well-balanced all around. I mean, they're, they're the most enjoyable, at least for me personally. But they have the best of both worlds, hops and malt, you know, yeah. Yeah. smooth all the way across. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to take care of some sponsors that uh, help this show come through. Yeah. We're going to give a, a, a good hello to Jamil, who maybe he could be listening at home. Cheers, uh, Just Jamil. like you. Jamil. Wish we had him here. Uh, this is the Jamil Show. He covers a new style every time we do it, and John Plisse is his normal co-host, so he's really uh, keeping the fort going here. we got Dr. Scott and Ray Daniels helping us out. So a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ray about how he would design a great Vienna lager, and then we're going to talk about Jamil's recipe, and Doc's going to help us. Us do that. So stick with us. It's the Jamil Show right here on the Brewing Network. <laughs> oh, crap. It's the hop shortage. He's in the basement. Oh, please. My triple decocted imperial pilsner. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. Boss is lost. Hop shortage? Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbach. Ich bin Kölsch. Und ich bin Münchener Helles. Wir don't need a lot of hops to be delectable. Now brew something. Malzi. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint. Like the cool blonde Kölsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. Mm-hmm. Now get brewing! What have you gotten out of a vial of White Labs yeast? WLP 001. Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burton Ale. 008, East Coast Ale. Cal Common, WLP 810. It's gonna be WLP 400 with beer! I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. We are back the Jamil Show without Jamil. How'd that work? This is the part where he usually uh, laughs at you for singing and dancing in yeah. the studio. And I usually like trying to freak him a little bit, and he doesn't appreciate that too much. It gets, but it gets bad I, quick. Yeah. Grinding thing. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like that. I've, so tri- we're, I've tried. So we're live at the Nationals Homebrewers Conference, and this is brought to you by Northern Brewer. Thank you, Northern Brewer, wherever you are. There's somewhere around here. So cheers to you guys for sponsoring the show, and it's been a great, great help, and you guys have great supplies, and... Great people and great beer, so thanks very much. Juno got one of our shirts today, so I expect to see him wearing it. Okay, yeah, sweet. Got to have to see that. All right, Vienna Lager's our style today, and we got Ray Daniels helping us out, who, of course, wrote the book Designing Great Beers, Doc's favorite. And, uh, Ray, maybe help us out. How would we design a great Vienna Lager, especially given what we mentioned? Uh, there's not a lot of good commercial examples for us to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, a challenging style uh, to try and do. 
And, uh, of course, you know, I'm going to do the same thing that a lot of you guys would do when it comes time to uh, to brew this beer. I'm going to go to the bookshelf, pick up uh, my favorite book, and open it up to page 335. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and say, gee, uh, what, what did I write? do people use? Yes, what did I write? <laughs> I had to go to the Brewer's awesome. Publication booth before the show and borrow a couple of books that so we could get through the show. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. A good source. So um, rather than reading something that, that people can access on their own, uh, talk a little bit about you know what what mentally in my mind what I what I would try and do, um, and I mean clearly malt this this is a, a beer with where we're exhibiting the beauty of malt and yeah. uh, a beer where uh, you know the German expression that malt is the soul of beer uh, yeah. is personified uh, in, in this particular uh, style. So you know you're looking for a great malt. You're looking for something with some color to it. Um, uh, and there's a variety of ways to do that. Uh, we know that, that some maltsters make Vienna malts uh, that are somewhere between a Pilsner and a Munich uh, in their color. And that could be a great way to go. And, I mean, I would, I would at this point recall one of the great dictums of, of brewing, which is that simplicity oftentimes makes the most fantastic beers. Uh, so if you can find a nice Vienna malt, two-row, preferably from Europe, um, that uh, you know that sounds like a really good bet. That's a great place to start and see see how the the beer works out. If you can't, or find that sort of malt, or if you can't, just bring yourself to make that simple a beer. As I know, you know, hey, I'm, gui- I'm guilty thing. too. You know, yeah. let's well, that looks really good, but maybe we should put a little something else in there too. <laughs> um, then you know, then you start looking at okay. Well, maybe we'll do a blend of Vienna and Munich, or maybe just for good measure, we'll put some Pilsner and some Vienna and some Munich in there. Or if we really want to make it complicated, you know, then we can start looking at some of those other lightly uh, roasted malts. Um, you know, the biscuit, the special roast, the huh. uh, victory, aromatic. Yeah, all of those things, and you know, a little bit of a few of those things might uh, might provide some really interesting flavor complexity to the beer. So. You know, I, uh, simplicity is always a good place to start, um, and maybe just a little of something else in there to give it a little more uh, complexity. Uh, that's that's probably the approach I'd take on the malt bill. Wow. It seems like the sky's the limit with this style. I mean, you could go from simple to intense, mess oh. around a little bit. or That's true for every style, Interesting. though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to especially because Jamil uh, in, in this really likes to stick to the style and, and how it would be if it was judged by BJCP. I wanted to ask you, Munich malt wouldn't actually really be out of style, even if you had no. to use it, would it? Oh, no, not at all. It not would at be all. the characteristic. And I mean, you, you know, if you really wanted to make an aggressive uh, Vienna lager, you could make an all-Vienna malt formulation. 100%. It's probably going to be, yeah, 100%. Really? It's probably going to be darker wow. than than style. But if you make it to the to a lower original gravity, I think the range is 12 to 13.5 to 10.48 to 10.54. Sure. If you make it at the at the low low end of the range, 10.48 with all Munich malt, yeah. nothing else, it's probably you know, fine. it probably would be a credible Vienna. You'd probably have lots of nice uh, malt flavor. Uh-huh. Um, and the color's probably going to be a little on the dark side, but maybe not too much if at that lower gravity. That that could work really well. And you, know, you got nothing else in there except for it'll convert itself. It's enough yeah. to be a base yeah. malt. It's enough to do it. Yeah. So do you yeah. need Vienna malt at all to make Vienna lager? Or not? Well, You're not re- saying not required. Okay. Not required. I think I think you could do a very credible job. I think you could make a very nice beer. I mean, let's let's go back to the the origins of this stuff. I mean, you know, in the in the 1800s, um, you know, there weren't wasn't much in the way of specialty malts. Crystal malt wasn't invented until 1870s or so. Hmm. Um, and so it used to be that the the malt you made drove the beer you made. And, you know, brewing was really more about malting than it was about brewing, or just as much about malting as it is brewing. And that's really true today if you're, you know, running a big brewery and you have that much scope of control. But for most of us, it's really more about finding a great malt and and putting it in our beer. Um, So, you know, if there's a a choice between a six-row Vienna that you don't really like the flavor of and a a great, you know, two-row Munich, Man, I'd go with the Munich and and just you know take the gravity down a little bit, or if you're still worried about it being too dark, too full, uh, mix it with some Pilsner malt. You know, put in a quarter, twenty five percent Pilsner malt, and the rest Munich malt. Uh, do that. So you know, one of the one of the charts that w- that's in designing, just flipping through here while you guys were talking, um, <laughs> and, and remembering that there's a chart in there that looks at the total uh, combination of Pilsner, uh, Vienna, and Munich and a whole bunch of the example beers. And generally, most of the recipes had 80 to 90% 
of their grist that con- consisted of those those three malts wow. and in various combinations, but but that's that was the base. Now, historically, how has that changed from the 1800s to now? Well, again, 1800s, it was, it was one malt. That's they, all you they, had. They, they made a malt, they put it in there, that was it. Huh. I, I've got another really interesting data point. I'm gonna I'm gonna wag something in, in your faces here. Those of you at home will have to imagine it's me wagging <laughs> wagging this in their faces. Uh, but uh, George Fix um, uh, wrote a book called uh, Vienna Merits and Oktoberfest. Yeah. The copyright date is 1991. So this one's been around for a little while. Sure. Uh, but George and, and Lori, uh, his wife, did a lot of research on Vienna's. And, and George, you know, George was one of the most dedicated brewers of beers, uh, writing about brewing. You know, he didn't just say, you know, do a couple of beers and then write about what he thought. George brewed all the time, entered beers in competitions all the time, and he used that as data uh, for his stuff. So this is George's take on the style. And so I flipped it open uh, just to kind of see, oh, what's George's uh, Vienna? And I was really shocked when I, when I read this because uh, every one of his Vienna recipes has got crystal malt in it. Yeah. And I was really? like, George. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? It's funny. They talk about in the style guidelines. You don't want like a caramel aroma <laughs> or a crystal aroma. And yet he's yeah. using it. And Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, obviously that's what worked for him. Now, remember, this is a, a copyright date of 1991. The malts that George had available in that time were very different from what we have now. Sure. We have better malts. We have better dark malts. We have better uh, Munich and Vienna malts now. So I have a feeling if George were around still, he'd, he'd probably take a different approach. But this is to say, you know, not totally out of bounds, not totally off base here. He's talking about six ounces of crystal malt, wow. you know, in a, five in, a, in a five-gallon recipe. So a very small amount just to give you a little bit of lusciousness, a little bit of color, hmm. a little bit of that caramel character. Do you think those recipes would still, you know, apply today if you're entering the National Homebrewers Conference? And uh, you, I don't know. Is it worth a I shot? Don't know. I don't uh, the one thing I didn't do was go look at look at the uh, the 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 uh, BJCP uh, style uh, description for Vienna, so uh, okay. might 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 not cut it. Well, oh, that's right there. <laughs> there you go. Read Doc this. Did. That's that's four point type, and I'm not capable. <laughs> that's what Doc said earlier. That's too. what I said too. Fact, wait a minute. Sorry, no, that's three point type. Yeah. I told John the same thing when he handed it to him. I'm getting old here. Come on. Yeah, what are you doing? Give me a break. What was the what crystal was it on those? Uh, because you, you mentioned just months. enough for a little color. So I'm wondering if he was all the way up at uh, at a 120 or something. Um, I think they were. He's talking about a light light German crystal. Actually, there's a dark German crystal. There's a couple different things that he mentions in here. Okay. So, so um, even the guidelines say that you can use some crystal, but not to make it so much so that you're getting uh, excess crystal malt flavor out of it, excess of sweetness. Because you really want a dry one at the end. Okay. So you're really just using that for color then? Yes, color. And, and I think George was trying to compensate for what he had to do with. He yeah. needed to get some color. He needed to get some complexity in there. Okay. And he, didn't, he didn't have any of the other base malts that we do now that he can get that from. And as, as uh, Ray was saying, would it hold up now? Well, that's a compromise back then. I and mean, we, we can dial in a lot better now with what we have. Yeah. So, John, I'm curious. Uh, now Ray has described uh, a, a way to make a real simple malt profile and, and how to make it as complex as you want. How does that, what, what Ray's saying, compare to yours, which is here in the second round? Because it's obviously done well as, the, as a style Vienna lager. What does your malt profile look like? Well, um, Ray had mentioned earlier that he's like, you know, it's kind of a mix between like a Hellas and a, uh, a Dunkel or something. Well, mine is actually a blend this year. Oh. Yeah. It's uh, 70% Munich Hellas and 30% Munich, Munich Dunkel. That's oh, Dunkel, okay. Yeah. yeah. Really? So it's a blend. That's yes. not cheap. That's For innovation. Vienna. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get a nice, that melanoin Munich flavor from the Dunkel. You get that bitterness from the Munich Dunkel, and then you get that base flavor from the Hellas. And a, it's a great beer, and you get that nice tan, creamy head retention. It's just John makes a great Hellas to, to boot. Yeah, so. So. How did you figure out? The, uh, this is a little off topic, so we should do it quick. But how did you figure out the blend? Did you sit around and just taste different... Uh, I have a 50-mil uh, graduated cylinder, and I just do blends, and I pour off the tap. You know, I drink a lot of beer, of course, when I'm doing it. And I'm um, just, uh, the color's right on. It tastes kind of close. I read the guidelines. I look at it. I think, oh, they might like it, you know, and the rest I leave up to the judges. So, The interesting thing when he does that is the last one he tastes is always the best tasting <laughs> oh, one. Yeah. And then I'm on the floor, too. And, <laughs> and he's all out. He yeah. can't fill a bottle to send no, in. Exactly. I, I pretty much think his, his mouth is under the tap. Thirty percent of that. And I, what I, the other thing I'm amazed at is like 15 milliliter graduated cylinder. Man, doing the math would drive me crazy. Okay, that was six mils plus nine mils. That's if I'm going to make a hundred milliliters. Oh, I would right put now. me into tears. Yeah. Yeah. hundred milliliters is easy. <laughs> yeah, or ten. 
Anything. <laughs> Anything. But why 50? Yeah. Now, Doc, how, how about you? How does this compare what we're talking about to what you do with a, Vin- a Vienna lager? You're kind of our lager guy here. Yeah, I like to keep lager simple. I'm, I'm, I, I do like to go nutty, though. Oh, what about this? I want to try this new malt or that. But, but uh, when you've got a nice, clean, malt-forward uh, lager like that, I like to keep it real clean and real simple. Okay. Uh, I really like starting. I like a Pilsner as a base malt. A lot, and uh, I like Vienna malt. Sometimes it's hard to get. Sometimes, uh, and but Munich is—you can find more Munich around. And you got to play with the ratios somewhat with that one. Okay. Uh, that for, as far as design, I like to keep it pretty much to those two. Or uh, I'll, I'll do a blend of a, some Munich, some some Vienna, and then Pilsner to kind of round it out. I, I don't. And then if. Maybe some darker, like a carafa or something, possibly. Yeah. Depending on what it is. So, but I'll start with just the base base ones first, and and brew that one. Okay. I think it more comes down a lot to the, the yeast you're using and how you're fermenting it. All right. We should definitely tap into fermentation about this too. Yeah, Let's do water that water as well. We'll yeah. break and, and get into that. Maybe what we can do before then is is just make sure we cover all the ingredients. So I wonder if we can go back to Ray and talk about hops. Uh, you talked about simplicity in malt, and we've covered that. Uh, what about hopping this beer? Well, this is one of those beers that um, the the balance is is exquisitely. Uh, um, balance uh, <laughs> to be to be uneloquent about it sure that's uh, right down the middle uh you fit right the, old, in here. the old bu to gu graduate grav- uh, uh, ratio is a uh, 0.45 to 0.50 so it's right it's, smack yeah. dab in the middle um really balanced between the bitterness and and, and the maltiness so we know where we're where we're going with our, our bitterness on this um I think the you know the uh, you don't think of this as being a, a hoppy beer in the uh, nose or, or or in the in the palate in flavor and, and aroma, um, but a little bit. I mean, you look at the, the, the guidelines at least in designing say low low to, to moderate sure. um, hopping. So. Uh, you know, a little bit, just a little bit. You know, we used to think about it like the quarter quarter ounce of uh, sort of noble hops, fifteen minutes before the end. So yeah. you're getting more of a hop flavor, but not necessarily like a bitterness coming through. Right, just to right. balance it out. A right, exactly. Okay. Just to give you a little, and it's almost to be you know perceived as complexity rather than a real overt you know hoppiness. It'd sure. be one of those things that wow, this is a really great, nice malty beer, and it's like the second or third taste, it's like oh yeah, there's a little hop in there too. Yeah. I like to. I, I always like to compare it to a Munich. Uh, it's a Munich's going to be more malt sweetness, more more flavor, and you, you balance that with the with uh, the hop bitterness. The thing with that one though is uh, with uh, the Vienna, you're going to get less sweetness, less of that malt forward, but you still want to have a little bit hoppier. So you you're kind of losing one to boost the other, but you don't want to go tip it too far where you've got something's really bitter or too hop forward. Well, let me ask you this, Ray. I mean, based on what Doctor said, if if you did over hop and over malt a beer, like it was too high, gravity too sweet, maybe would, would you kind of you're entering the National Homebrewers Conference? Would you say it was a Mirzen at that point? Because it's it's like a little bit more of a subdued Mirzen. Well, yeah. I mean, they, definitely these these two are are just sort of like the big brother little brother relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you overshoot the Mirzen, and and well, you know, if you're if you're judging this category, that's so you get one and say, yeah, I think this guy was trying to make a Mirzen, and he just you know sort of, sort of missed a little bit, or Oops. right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can certainly enter it in both if you're just on the, on the cusp. Yeah. You know, maybe you'll do uh, start that blending. Yeah, do yeah. well in one of the, or, or, or start a nice blend. Now, uh, noble hops, of course, uh, you've all said. Does it matter which variety of noble hops? Do you do you mix the noble hops, uh, or do you like to stick with one? I like to keep mine one. Okay. Uh, when, when I'm doing a, a nice lager, German lager, I, I really like to keep it simple in the hops and and one, pretty much one dimension in that one. Uh, Saz probably for this one's a little too spicy. Yeah. Well, now these days, it's hard to get whatever, anything you yeah, get. Yeah, what can you get? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Point. Michael Vanguard. Ferguson Vanguard. told you how to do it today in one of the lectures he gave here. Oh, I missed it. Uh, we got a recording. We'll see uh, see what ends up happening with that. But he talked about substituting hops. But yeah, I guess we are just trying to. Fi- we're grabbing yeah. what we can for this one. Uh, the, some Haller Towers I just used. They were the, the alphas were just one and a half. A one and a half. <laughs> just ridiculous. Nice. nice. Okay. But there's a good substitute out there. It's called Vanguard. Use it. It's really it's a, it's a, an equivalent to Hollowtower Hersbrucker. So okay, and that's available in the homebrew shops. Yeah, now? Okay. more beer, northern brewer. They all have it. So okay, definitely. All right. So you're good. really not trying to build a hop complexity here. So right. It, right. You don't really need to mix and match with them. Okay. So. 
you're really just trying to get the balance, not trying to get some balance and nice clean bitterness coming through, and, and don't don't really worry so much about intermingling hops. Okay, in this one. All right. All right, great. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we covered your ingredients for you, uh, sans yeast, and we're going to talk about yeah. yeast when we come back and then how to ferment that um, and, and do this beer right. This is, of course, the Jamil Show. Uh, we're missing Jamil, John. Jamil Show without Jamil. Uh, he's a fun <laughs> he's guy to spirit, have around, yeah. too, but he is here in spirit. We're trying to do our best here to cover the style. We're talking about Vienna Lager, and uh, when we come back, we'll cover uh, Jamil's recipe out of the book. Okay. We'll cover what yeast we would put in this and how to ferment it. Too. So thanks to Northern Brewer, who's right here in the hospitality suite. We're live from Cincinnati, Ohio, having a great time with home brewers here in the room. Everybody, uh, beers in hands, and listen, listen how excited they are about this. <laughs> they miss, they're like, where the F is Jamil? That's all they're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Jamil Show. Hang in there. Attention homebrew shop owners. At Fermentap, they know you're tired of buying the same old gear that everyone else has. That's why Fermentap offers the newest and most cutting-edge brewing equipment known to man. Since 1998, Fermentap has been leading the fight against the boring and mundane by offering strange, unique, and just plain smart equipment. Like their stainless stone false bottoms. Never deal with the floating plastic hassle of other false bottoms again. And since they're made from stainless steel, they'll last a lifetime. Fermentap's line of copper wort chillers are the best on the market, designed to cool your wort faster and more efficiently than other immersion chillers. They actually invented the equipment to make these chillers not only work great, but look great too. How about a fantastic line of ingredients including vanilla beans, sorghum extract, blue agave extract, hot bitterness extract, unique wine yeast, green coffee beans, sake kits, all stuff you can't find anywhere else. Fermentap carries all the standard products and equipment you need as well, such as all grain systems, stainless hardware, kettles, carbonation stones, you name it, they've got it. Fermentap's entire line of products has been helping retail shops meet the demands of their customers for nearly 10 years, and they want to help you too. For more information, see them on the web at Fermentap.com or call Jason at 1-800-942-2750. Fermentap, better beer through innovation. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. DJ, John. Well, that was your calling. <laughs> I think I missed it. I'm working on the hair, though. You got to do that. Yeah, 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 me too. I'm still working on my hair. <laughs> you and Ray both. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. This is the Jamil Show live from the National Homebrewers Conference in Cincinnati. Uh, just a, a, a note of the dedication of Jamil. He just phoned me at the break, called me to let me know that he's doing okay. He wanted me to let you know, John and Doc, that he's listening. Oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right? I'll hear it if I see your own report. Yes, he's, he's listening. He's taking notes. <laughs> he said he's happy to hear Ray sitting with us. Um, everyone's been asking the whole time how he's doing. He's got pneumonia, so that's not good. Oh, but they gave him morphine, so that is good. Oh, hey, right. probably, that's probably almost better than beer. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably feeling a little better here. Yeah, a little fifty-fifty <laughs> blend is good. Yeah, I, I'd go for that. They did have him go take a whole bunch of tests because they wanted to make sure that the, it couldn't be any of the things that would turn out to be quite bad, and those were all negative. I mean, they that's even good. did a spinal tap, Doc. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, they went they went for it. They really wanted to know because he, he kind of fell out of a wheelchair. He says, "You really, if you ever want to get good service at the ER, fall." 
fall out of your wheelchair <laughs> because he said they were on him like never before. Wow. <laughs> like, um, like a cheap suit. Yeah. yeah. But, but that, they actually, a- they just had finished reading his insurance coverage and <laughs> yeah. said, oh, dude, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. he's going to run tests on you. <laughs> You're probably right, Ray. <laughs> but they did do a bunch of tests, and he said he's okay. He said he feels awful. He's doing terribly, but he's going to be okay. He feels awful, but good enough to call us. That's, that's great. News. Yeah. Well, like I said, he wanted to let you two know he's paying he's, attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it made him feel better. I'm going to start sweating now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jamil awesome. would want us to thank Northern Brewer just once more for bringing you the Jamil Show here sure. from uh, the Hospitality Suite, which is Northern Brewer's Hospitality Suite, at the Cincinnati uh, Homebrewers Conference. Yeah, are. I'm just happy you trust me to fill in for him. Yeah, I didn't believe it. And Ray's been great. <laughs> Ray, you were just talking at the break that in 91, you placed with a... A continental lager, which was what? A Vienna lager or something? <laughs> yeah, this I mean, is kind of embarrassing. It didn't even occur to me until we were in the middle of the show. You, <laughs> Literally, the first national homebrew competition I ever entered was 1990. I'd been homebrewing for less than a year. Okay. I think this was maybe the 11th beer that I brewed, somewhere in the, in the early to mid-teens, in terms of number of batches. It was called Diversity Lager. Entered in what was then the category of Continental Dark. We hadn't even sorted out the fact that, like, Vienna and Meritzen and Dunkel might be separate beers. You know, we just had a category for continental dark beers. Wow. Kind of back in the dark ages of, uh, of uh, HA and BJCP. But, um, and, yeah, I won gold medal that year. Really? In, in, really? In HC, yeah. And I imagine the first, first yeah. time entrant, first, first year home brewer is, like, kind of, kind of blew me off of. Yeah. Everything. Absolutely. So kinda, and now you have a whole career in this thing. Yeah, so I mean, go, figure, the, go, go figure. Go <laughs> figure. But I, I do have to give the caveat that those were very different days. <laughs> so, so don't brew it. So if anybody okay. goes and looks up that recipe <laughs> from 1990, uh, uh, yeah, I would not recommend that recipe as the exemplary uh, anything. <laughs> is, it in your, is it in your book? Or? Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's a whole different subject. It's, it's yeah. not in my anything. It's, yeah, it's not in my anything, yeah. <laughs> it's in my log book, but yeah, that's yeah. about it. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's we email talk, you. Uh, we can get that. A uh, <laughs> little bit of yeast and fermentation so All we right. can make sure we get through this style before everyone's got to go. Everyone's got to get dinner because we got Pro Brewers Night coming up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The one thing we can't bring home to you is uh, Pro Brewers Night and, uh, and Club Night. And Although tomorrow's hangover. We will, be bro- <laughs> <laughs> we will be broadcasting from Club Night, so you'll hear oh, a bit of it. All right. But, uh, these are the events that we've got to get ready for. So let's make sure we cover yeast and fermentation. Well, let's choose a yeast. I mean, what type of yeast would you use? I mean, definitely a German lager yeast, but which strain? Oh, I think a um, lager yeast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for, of course. But, <laughs> good for but, you. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm thumbing for the book. Yeah, a lager yeast. That sounds good. A lager <laughs> yeast. Well, there's Perfect. a couple options. Would you use a Mertzen yeast? Ask Doc. He Doc? brews lagers. I mean, come on, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my favorite always go-to lager yeast is Southern German lager. And why? What do you uh, like about it that? It gives a nice bready, rounded flavor to it. Okay. I've, I've, I split yeast split batches with yeast all the time. Sure. And I always seem to go back to that when I've tried the German yeast, the Bohemian against the Southern German lager. Okay. And usually I'm looking for the malt-forward, bready kind of uh, lagers. And that would definitely complement the style. It you're going certainly for that, does. So. And it's... it's if I've, uh, it always seems to be my favorite one of the two when I'm splitting batches. If I'm only going to do one, I'm going to go to the Southern German lager. Huh. German lager's pretty good, too. I like that one. But... German lager, I found, it has a fair amount of fruit flavor. Exactly. It can be a little fruity. It, I mean, even if you ferment it cool, but it can have a kind of a hint of ester to it. It does. Yeah. And uh, you, you need to have a, a little different thought in your mind about that one. But the Southern German lager, we're looking for bready, nice, clean flavor. And, and this is what I yeah. get out of the Southern yeah. German lager. Yeah, right. Definitely. You're definitely on, on the mark there in terms of the goal. And I mean, I tell you, I've, I've, I've judged, uh, I can't remember if I've done Vienna's, but I've done several lager categories at Great American Beer Festival. Wow. And generally, I'd say, you know, American brewers, the thing, their biggest problem is just getting lagers right. Right. You know, getting yep. getting the right flavor profile, getting the right yeast, getting the right fermentation temperature, huh. conditioning it properly. There's a lot of beers entered in lager categories that taste a lot like an ale. Yeah. And, and that's not the idea. So, yeah. You know, I think that's the tough part. Anytime you're making a, a lager style, and I think for you know, if you're a competitive brewer, sure. if you can get lagers down, if you can make a credible lager, oh man, you know, you can you can do well. Wow. Now, you tasted craft beers. I mean, are, are are you a fan of the craft beers and what they're doing with lagers? Do you like these? I mean, do you think they're pushing? I mean. There's not many of them out there. Yeah, you know, there, there, the there are or? many, and and you know, I mean, Sam Adams. You go to uh, Gordon Biersch, uh, You go to Capital, and those guys are all doing a great job. Right. I'm sure there's some people I'm forgetting, but you know, uh, uh, most of them are, are are making really nice beers. 
have I tasted them blind in a panel where I didn't know I was tasting? And, yeah. you know, I may have, I, I don't know, I may have dinged some of those beers just because <laughs> blind when you're doing it blind and sure. you're thinking, you're sitting there thinking, man, this is really estery. A lager yeah. shouldn't be estery. That is the trick. Yeah. Especially, uh, it's the only way to defeat your expectations. Yeah. If you know you like Sam right. Adams, you're going to give it a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter it? what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, the bl- you're right. The blind tasting, you really could, you could pick up anything on any beer yeah. that you never saw before mm-hmm. just because yeah. you gave it so much credit. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly always been well one of my one of my big weaknesses as a brewer um, was that I was all, always cellar blind. I mean, I knew what I had been trying to brew, and so it always tasted perfect to me, <laughs> you know. But then you give, you give, give me my my same beer in a panel, you know, and I'd be I'd be super critical of it and just tear it apart. But wow. couldn't yeah. do that when I when I knew what it was. And when you taste that first one. Oh, okay. It's time to taste the lager. You've been lagering for a while. Damn, you nailed it. Well, <laughs> well maybe no. not. But. Yeah, well. So does Jamil agree on the Southern English uh, in so, his... Southern in German. His, Southern German, 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 sorry. Actually, uh, yeah. His, that, that's also his yeah. uh, yeast. Okay. Uh, he uh, raised about that in the uh, German Bach a lot, which is uh, the WLP 833, the uh, Y yeast equivalents to 2487. And I don't know the Southern German lager, but it's I'm looking it up. It's pretty good. Okay. Bavarian, Bavarian lager, right? Bavarian. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I I, I actually have. Well, when I was doing a lot of brewing, I, I made a fair number of lagers. And Bavarian was the one that I used the most and and had the best success with. Okay, and uh, how about yours? Uh, the Bach 833. Okay. It's, it cleans. I don't have to do a diacetyl rest with the German Bach. You know, I do a six, six week of uh, ferment. 48 to 50 degrees, and then I just keg it up and carbonate it. It's usually ready to go. But if I mess around with, like, a check yeast or something, I usually have to do a diacetyl rest just because it produces more diacetyl. Yeah, so yeah. And yeah that, you definitely don't want any diacetyl. No, no, no. That's no. My, my second yeast is the Bach. That's what Jamil turned me on to that one. So and did I'm, you brew that side-by-side, side, the Southern German and Bach? Um, in? No, I've done the, I haven't done that one yet. Okay. But when I'm going to any of my bigger beers, yeah. bigger lagers, sure. uh, the Bach... I, I seem to go to that one. I haven't. I haven't been disappointed with either one of them. Wow. Well, dog, I've had your loggers, and you do a hell of a job loggering your beers, and they're super clean. I mean, let's talk a little bit about lager fermentation. I mean, these are really hard to do, and yeah. how do you do them well? And what's the trick? I mean, let's talk about yeast counts and volumes. I mean, Ray, I'm sure you brew yeah, plenty ton, of loggers. Pitch, pitch, pitch a ton of ton, pitch a ton of yeast. Can you um, over pitch a logger? Uh, theoretically, but practically, we're pro- probably not. Probably okay. not. Yeah. I mean, that's the the old, you know, the old uh, Siebel Siebel guideline is uh, uh, a million a million yeast cells per degree Play-Doh uh, per milliliter, milliliter milliliter of wort. So that's a, that's a lot, <clears throat> lot, a lot of a uh, lot of yeast cells. Okay. So yeah, that's that's uh, you you really got to put a lot of yeast in there to get wow. those guys cranked up. Uh, yeast yeast uh, for loggers are very finicky. Mm-hmm. You, you can't treat them bad in any any mm-hmm. part of this. If you're doing your starter, you can't treat them bad. Uh, you can't pitch them a small pitch into a, a, a big bunch of sugar. It's going to stress them. Uh, you're going to have some problems with them. You've got to treat these guys really nice. Okay. Well, Doc, you're doing three-gallon starters, aren't you? Yeah. For oh. 10 gallons? Yeah. No, 20. Some, 20, 20 gallons? 20 usually. I'll usually build it up. I'll start with 1,000 uh, milliliters, then I go to 2,500, and then I go to... Uh, three liter on a stir plate, or uh, three gallon on a stir plate, and so you're building up over a week then. Mm-hmm. Cool. Three times you're building it up. Yeah. Wow. And I, I don't do these at cold temperature either. I just I just, I just room, temp. I room temperature. They like it better that way. They're gonna throw off a lot of esters that I don't want, but I'm I'm decanting all that off. All that too. Off. I'll slowly cold crash them. I'll put them in the refrigerator uh, before I before He's I put them in. He's hardcore, Ray. That's a <laughs> slow cold crash. Yes. Well, okay. I, I, I put a them soft in, explosion. <laughs> yeah. It, when I when I when I put them uh, a three gallon starter in the refrigerator when I start the brew day. By the time I'm done, uh, it's slowly gone down. It's cold. Right. It's about at fermentation temperature. I've got a nice layer of yeast on the bottom. The crud I don't want on the top, and it's so easy to decant Just that decant off. Because I'm not going to put that into my nice lager that I right. try everything to keep right. it clean. Yeah, you pitch it right on top of the, the yeast that's on it's, the bottom. Then right, and it's a slow enough uh, drop in temperature where mm-hmm. you don't freak them out, but they mm-hmm. will drop out. Yeah. So then, do you, you chill your word all the way down to fifty? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't pitch before I'm down to uh, temperature. Yeah, I think that's pretty key. What's your lag time? I'm curious. With that amount of yeast that you're pitching, 
24th the most. Really? Wow. Yeah. And if, uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, uh, it's it's not going to be a three-hour ale thing, but uh, 24 <laughs> or less, 18. Yeah. I think 12 to 24 yeah. is what you should be and, shooting for. And it it'll start, starts going. Huh. See, I had tried brewing a Pilsner about two months ago, and I had underpitched. It took four days to take off. Yeah. I lost the batch. That's bad. Yeah. yeah. Underpitched. That, that always it, makes you cry. Yeah. But Doc has another trick that, that you, you've mentioned on, on all of our shows a lot, too. If, uh, if you pitch the night before and you go check on the beer the next morning and yeah. you're not seeing any noticeable fermentation... I'll, I'll, I'll re-oxygenate at okay. that point. I'll re-oxygenate every six to eight hours until I see fermentation happen. For ales and lagers? Uh, yeah. Wow. But I, I'll, I'll, yes, I'll, okay. I'll keep uh, putting oxygen in there because it's going to dissipate yeah. out of the solution uh, just over time. Doesn't necessarily have to be the, the yeast to take it up, and as long as they're not fermenting yet, and I'm not seeing active signs of fermentation, I'm going to give them another dose. It makes it a lot healthier. Okay, it goes on, but once it starts fermenting, don't do it anymore. So, is fermentation temperature fifty? Uh, Ray had mentioned fifty when you. I usually do forty-eight to okay. fifty. Same uh, as John, you do forty-eight. Uh, it's real key with these lager guys to keep them steady. They don't mind going up. They don't like going down very fast. They don't know how far it's going to go down, so they start putting protective coats on them and everything. And <laughs> Got their start, mittens on, yeah, their nose warmers. And so. they don't care about uh, getting your gravity down at that point. Okay. Yeah. If you treat them real nice. Or, re- or reducing your diacetyl. Exactly. Down. So if you just treat them real nice and keep them real even, they're happy. Okay. And it might take a lot longer at a 48, but Patience. you're going to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't be patient. scared. Yeah. So how long is a little longer? And, and and do you always keep it at 48, or is there a point no, where you... I, um, generally, I'll do one of two things. It's uh, keep it at 48, period, and when it gets down to it, it's not fermenting anymore. Uh, I'll just keep it at that, maybe for another week, and let the diastole come out of it that way, let it reabsorb that way. Once in a while, I'll, I'll bring it back up. I don't bring it back up to 80, maybe 60. Okay. <laughs> That's hot. 80? 80? No, I said I don't do you 80. Oh, you don't yeah. do it. Okay. Oh, okay. No, but I, you might go as high as 60. Yeah, some people, are, you'll, they'll, they'll read uh, diastole rest, and it yeah. says 75 or something. Well, that's for, that's for lo- uh, ales. For not ales, log- yeah. Not, right. So when you're doing a lager, it doesn't take much to keep – you really want to invigorate them, a little warmer temperature. Right, they right. like being – 10 degrees is huge. Yeah. They like being at warmer temperatures. They're going to work great, but they're going to give off things you don't want them to. Okay. Right. Uh, so you, you want to give them a little oomph. So you raise the temperature ten, like you said, ten degrees is, is a lot for a lager. But do it slow, get it up there, give it some time to reabsorb the diacetyl, and you go back down. The other way is just to leave it at that lower temperature, just longer. That sounds safer to me. You just yeah, have just to wait a little it. longer. Yeah. So you could do that. Technically, you could stay at forty-eight to fifty for the entire fermentation, leave it a little longer, mm-hmm. and then uh, cold crash it or whatever you do before you keg it. And, and generally, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll leave it as it is and just give it that zen where I know when it's going to be done. <laughs> Hug the carboy. Yeah, you love know. it. <laughs> no pants. No yeah, pants. I know. I know what you do Touch in there. It. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's sanitary. <okay? laughs> he has a clean room. The clean room. It's super zen. So I'll, I'll usually end up leaving it, just leaving it longer. I don't need the beer out of there that fast. I don't got to pull it out of the fermenter just to put something else in there necessarily. Okay. Ray, how long do you lager for? I'm just curious. Uh, I'd probably be looking for about three weeks on something like this. And then do you do a diastole rest for all lagers? Or? Um, usually not. I mean, uh, if it's the Bavarian yeast uh, you know, that's uh, that I've had success with in the past, no. Let it, let it run all the way through. Give it a good, you know, good primary. Ten yeah. days, two weeks. Healthy yeast, lots of it. Right. Three weeks yeah. you're done. We're assuming that the fermentation yeah. starts within the first 24 hours, vigorous right. fermentation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's where I'd be in. Then rack it and get it down and uh, get it chilled. Okay. It and, Doc, are you the same amount of time or longer? Yeah, I'll go two, three weeks in the primary if I'm not going to raise it at all. Okay. And uh, then it goes into lagering after that one. Okay. And uh, I would say, yeah, a minimum of three weeks. And you're going to see a difference between two we- one week, two, a big difference. Sure. Three weeks to five weeks, you'll even see a big difference. Yeah. What uh, about uh, clarity? I mean... Do you still have, I assume you still have yeast suspension after three weeks, right? Are you filtering or do you let it lager out as you, like, secondary it? Or you go to a bright tank or something? I don't sort? really remember what the flocculence of, uh, of the Bavarian yeast is, to at, tell you at, the truth. At, but. at 34 degrees, it's not bad. It, it'll drop out. Anything will drop out fairly fast. Sure. Right. Uh, 
I mean, this this is the reason that uh, a small brewery in St. Louis uses Beechwood chips. Ah. Oh. Uh, it is a, a su- su- support medium for indolent yeast. Yeah, uh, really. It's basically, yeah. I More mean, surface area. It's it's all it's all been you know boiled and sanitized beyond its. It, there's no know, wood. There's there's there ain't no wood in there. There ain't, yeah. no, ain't no flavors in there. All it is is a support medium for the yeast to increase the uh, surface area. No of the yeast that's exposed to the beer uh, during lagering. And rather than having it laying flat on the bottom where you have one layer of yeast that's exposed, you've got all this, you know, uh, sort of playground of, of beechwood chips down there for all the yeast to lay on, and that increases the, the exposure. It's really a great idea. Uh, it, it just helps. Yeah. Oh, helps, yeah. helps I thought it was a lot better. I, was, I thought it was tradition. I knew that they used chips, but I had read that originally there actually were beechwood barrels, so I thought it was just this tradition we have well, to I, keep saying beechwood age, but what a very practical. Well, it's more know, of a so. marketing thing. Like he says, they just they strip everything. Everything out of that beechwood they can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's steamed. It's blasted. It's, it's, it's just laying, and I've seen it. And it's, it's not wood. It's not wood anymore. <laughs> Soon to be European inbev wood. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> get rid of the beechwood. Oh, well, we never know. <laughs> you never can tell. Do you want to try some listener beers? I or? do, yeah. We had had a Vienna lager. Let's try a little bit. we got to wrap things up, uh, uh, let Ray go uh, back to work, and, and the rest of us maybe get some you food. you got a beer, uh, too. So. Well, let's taste. Uh, we had some listener Vienna lager well, here. Actually, two kinds. Okay. So let's get a taste of that. And maybe while we're pouring those, Doc, you could recap with Jamil's Vienna recipe. All right. Because we did cover our recipes. Uh, well, and by our, of course, not mine. Uh, but John's and, and what Ray would do and, and Doc's. But uh, let's find out what uh, Jamil's is there. And then let's pour some of these. Uh, I will pour it right now. While we're here, uh, generally he keeps it real simple. Uh, it's going to be Pilsner and Munich. Uh, we're going to go with uh, with the extract version first. Uh, Munich uh, liquid malt extract, uh, Pilsner liquid malt extract. The Pilsner is going to be a little less, about forty six percent, about fifty two percent for the Munich. Uh, he throws in a little bit of Carafa Special Two, okay, a color, a little roastiness to come through. Not much. We're talking 1.4%. So just, just enough because you don't want to go overbound on this roasty, toasty thing. Okay. Um, and then uh, go, with the hops, we're looking at about 26 IBUs, uh, all Haller Tower, uh, 60 minutes for the, the first uh, ounce and a half, which is 24 IBUs coming off of that at 60 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, he puts in another half an ounce for five gallons, and it's about one6 uh, IBUs out of that one. Uh, it goes with the Southern German Lager uh, for y, uh, White Labs. Y yeast is the 2308 Munich or for Menace Soft Lager S23. You're going to do dry lager or dry lager yeast. Hmm. Uh, that, that definitely, I mean, the recipe just taps onto what you're talking about earlier, Ray. Is a simple Pilsner simple. and yeah, Munich mold. That's it. Huh. Yeah, simplicity wins out. It can be, be a great recipe at all times. And that, that's the extract version, and uh, I didn't get quite to the uh, the all grain, but it's not going to be much different. Uh, you're going to replace the Pilsner extract and the Munich extract with uh, Continental Pilsner malt, uh, three pounds of Munich uh, malt, and uh, five pounds of Vienna malt. So he's going to mix it up a little bit, uh, which is one thing I actually got from your book, Ray, was uh, when I was formulating my uh, Munich uh, Oktoberfest, and I mixed, did the mix with uh, Munich and Vienna and mm-hmm. Pilsner, mm-hmm. Just, and I played with that a few times, and that right. really added some complexity without going overboard on any one thing. So Right, without both. getting flavors that are inappropriate, right. you can still get... So, uh, and Vienna and Munich Mall are real close. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've got their own little subtle differences, and, and playing with the two in different ratios is a real good way to dial it in. Well, that's also a situation where you might have Vienna from one maltster and Munich from a different maltster, and even though if they were from the same maltster, they might be exceedingly similar, when you get them from different maltsters, they've got slightly different flavor profiles, and that can really... Yeah. Make it interesting. Uh, and one thing is uh, you're using a lot of um, Pilsner malt in here. So it's a real light kiln malt. you really got to get rid of the DMS. So yeah. rather, with the uh, extract, you're going to boil, boil it for about 60 mm-hmm. minutes. But you really want to go up to a 90-minute boil uh, with uh, that much grain. Pilsner in there. So yeah. you got to get that DMS out of there. Lid yep. off the kettle. But that's yeah. oh, lid, definitely lid, lid off the kettle. Off the kettle. Uh, you want to increase your, your, your uh, amount of water in there. Because you're going to boil it off, mm-hmm. and you want to hit your numbers still. So keep that into consideration with the uh, yeah, 30% increase in your uh, boil time. You're going to okay. get more evaporation, too. I think it's definitely 
a good point too to talk about for new homebrewers is a lot of new homebrewers go crazy. They're like, I can add all these adjuncts, all these additives. But if you can, just try and keep it simple for one beer and see if you can replicate one or another after the, you know, and just keep it simple and just try and dial in a recipe because then you get to know your system, you get to know fermentation, you get to know your brewery and, and beers that you like. So, And if you add one ingredient at a time as you keep brewing, you get to know that ingredient right. too. Right. If you want to try out something on this, yeah. uh, go with the simple part first. Yeah. Brew the base beer and then you want to experiment. Oh, I want to try this or that. Add one thing. One thing at a time. One thing yeah. at a time. You get to know exactly what the mm-hmm. difference is. Yeah. That recipe, of course, is from Jamil Zanishev and John Palmer's Brewing Classic Styles. It is a brewer's publication book, which has Fantastic a table right book. here. It's, Absolutely. It really is a good book. And we've been talking about on the show, Ray, uh, we get a lot of our listeners saying, uh, entered into the NHC this year with Jamil's recipe. I wanted a tally of how many were Jamil's recipes. Yeah, that would be great. A lot of people using it just because it's a, it's a good resource. So yeah, you can get that yeah. in the Brewing Network store, or you could get it right here uh, at the conference if you're an attendee at the Brewer's Publication table. Um, People ask me all the time, what books do I recommend first? And I'm looking at the two on the table, right? Those are them, right? Uh, And then, of course, How to Brew. I mean, you got to put, if there are three books, it's the trifecta of brewing books. Yep. 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 How to Brew. How to Brew, Designing, and Radical Brewing. Yeah. Which we think of at at Brewers Publications. We think of those three as being the the core. If you want to make meads, there's the complete mead banker. Okay. But designing great beers and brewing classic size is not going to teach you to make beer. Right. That's, that's where the right. how to brew comes into right. it. Exactly. This is to help you uh, design great beers. Help you make your decide, own. make the beer, and design the beers the way you want. And what goes right. into it, and why? It's so much why you did this. And then brewing classic styles is so much easier to get um, a baseline. Yeah. Because there's, 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 rec- there's recipes do. all over the place. And this is a great baseline. It'll get you right in the ballpark, yeah. right on. You might not be able to get every ingredient, so that's something else you can you know, fudge here or there with the hops, possibly some grains. But if you follow the brewing classic styles, you're going to get right there in the ballpark. You're not going to get a bad beer out of it at all. Before we go real quick, uh, how about this beer you guys tasted? It is a home-brewed Vienna lager given to us by one of our listeners, actually, who is here. Um, what do you think? It's not bad. That's I, I think the balance is is really yeah. nice. You know, you you, you it, the the middle middle palate and finish in terms of the bitterness and the and the maltiness really nice. It's clean. It's clean. It's well made lager. Well fermented. Yeah, I think um, it I tastes think, similar to a Southern English brown yeah. to me. I think so. It's, it's it has an ale character. I think it's it's well, it's a little warmer now too. That could it's be a it. little dry. Well, yeah. possibly. he did use a eight thirty German lager yeast. You know, might yeah. get that a little bit of fruity character to it. Yeah. I think, well, I think there's some, some raisin notes in here. There's a little, maybe a little darker malt component than you would ideally mm-hmm. want. Okay. And then in Vienna, it's beyond beyond toasty into the dark fruit. Yeah. It was 2% uh, Carafa 3, so that might add it to it. Yeah. But you, it, you're right about the balance. It is a very balanced beer, mm-hmm. which is uh, what it should be. It's a nice quaffable beer. Yeah. 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 Certainly very drinkable. Great, great, uh, great job, whoever it is. It was uh, Bill... Beer. Ballinger? From Bills? Okay. I'm looking out in the audience. I'm not seeing anybody taking credit. So. No, we're going to make it, but we got the next maybe, one to do, Maybe too. we weren't nice we enough. we take a break first? Oh. going to do that? We're going uh, right? to have to wrap it up, so if you want to do it quick, no, we can we, do we that. we got to do this one. Okay, let's taste that one. Uh, I'll do some thanks. Uh, and, of course, uh, just a big shout to Jamil, who's getting better at home uh, right hand. now. Wanted to be here, so Jamil, we thanks for Jamil. Uh, planning this show for us and getting it ready. Um, Doc, for filling in here. What we got going on for the rest of the week, just so you know, is we will be live from club night tomorrow night. We're going to set up with the guys over at Beer, Beer, More Beer and uh, do a live show. We'll be playing some Beer Jeopardy, Doc, your favorite. Uh, (laughs) So that'll be a good time. And we'll have some prizes to give away. We'll get some listeners involved. And we'll be doing some more shows from in here in the Northern Brewer Hospitality Suite. And, of course, Northern Brewer has brought you this program today. And every time the Jamil Show airs, it's because of them. So what do you guys think of that one? This one's not as dark as the well, first no, one, is defi- it? Definitely not as dark. Look at the color. The big I mean, color difference? Yeah, perfect perfect color, I think, for, for Vienna. Is it? Yeah. That's what I think of, right what? in that range. Okay. Was it right around first 10. beer a little too dark yeah, for you? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was too dark, okay. yeah. I mean, for the ideal Vienna. It's got a really beautiful hop nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. don't really think that's necessarily the style, but it's a really beautiful, really? It is. noble hop nose. It's wonderful. But it makes you want to just... Try the next step, which yeah. drink it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to well, drink Well, I was really bottle. surprised at how little amount of hops you all said to put into this beer. That's and, not much. Uh, so uh, I would have definitely overhopped this also. It's yeah. just you. 
But that's because well, it's me. I think that's, yeah, we're, we're so used to hitting things with the hop stick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you get over there, anywhere near Munich, yeah. you know, just hops, yeah, I kind of forget about it's them. Got a, this has got a great malt nose, too. Yeah. It's a really well-balanced clean beer. I mean, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Very, very well-made beer. Very nice. But probably wouldn't do well in the in the style category. It's in, it's in the I second round. Close. I think I, is I, it? I, I think this is a pretty nice beer. Okay. I think we'd get and into it, the discussion it it of whether the hops were too much right. you know, versus the other things that are on the table. That's what the judging table would sound like, you mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. think there's any faults here at all. I think it's just a matter of whether it's dialed into style now. Okay. Yeah, there's, oh, this is a nice beer. All right. Good listener beers, and of course, if you made it to the second round, at the second round already, a congratulations. That's a, a pat a, yourself on the back. For yeah, that. for yeah, that, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and good luck to everybody who's here for that. All right, thanks everybody. John, please say thank you for carrying on the torch of the Jamil show, sir. Hey, thanks, <laughs> thanks for Jamil, you know, shit. and Doctor Scott for filling in with us. Uh, Ray Daniels, can't thank yeah, you enough. Glad um, to be here. Really couldn't have thought of a better person to sit down on the style with thanks, us. Thanks, so. uh, I'm sure you could have, but I was the one available. So <laughs> yeah, that yeah, all works. you're the first he one I ran yes. into. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> Go over to the Brewers publication uh, table right over there, and you can find Ray uh, probably for most of the week. Probably. And, uh, sign your book for you. Oh, it's a great book. Get it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jamil. We'll see you at home. Feel better, sir. That yeah, is Vienna Lager. Um, We're thinking about you, man. Enjoy the morphine. Hey, what's next, John? You're gonna ha- you guys are going to have to do stout when you get American home. American stout, yeah, when we get home. Awesome. And after that, we'll figure it out. Yeah. There you go. Cheers. Bruce Strong. All right. Live from NHC. We'll see you uh, later in the week, everybody. Thanks a lot.